Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome history friends, patrons all, and happy new year. This is the state of the podcast address. When diplomacy fails, Zach Twomley, 1st of January, 2000. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. 2018. 2017's over. Not quite as bad as 2016. Not as many people that we liked died, but a lot of really terrible things happened too. But we're not there to talk about those things. We're here to talk about the history. And 2017 is history, but 2018 has a lot of good stuff in store. There's a lot of things on When Diplomacy Fells' agenda going forward. This sounds like a business meeting already, but it is not. It is simply a way for me, Zach Twomley, to tell you, my adored listener, what our plans are for When Diplomacy Fails in the year 2018. Thanks to you guys, 2017 was When Diplomacy Fails' best year yet. We really did have an amazing time. I mean... Everything from five weeks to run wild, to joining Patreon, to collaborating with some amazing history podcasters, to 
well, like covering the last siege of Vienna and Jan Sobieski. Some amazing stories have been told on When Diplomacy Fails and you guys have responded so, so well. I feel like my voice has gotten to a lot more people than it had last year, so that's definitely progress. It seems as though When Diplomacy Fails is moving forward. It is progressing in the world of history podcasting and that is always great to see. I am here right now with a, a beer of some kind. I believe it's from the Czech Republic. And I'm not even going to try and pronounce its name. But yes, I'm working my way through Tesco's European section. Mostly Eastern European beers to try and get myself in the mood for the Cold War. More specifically, the first hot war that was fought in this Cold War. I'm talking, of course, about Korea. And we'll talk a bit more about that a bit later on. But first, let's get through some housekeeping. You see, there's there's a few things we have to talk about. Some of them are a bit interesting, other things you might not find all that interesting. But if you want to keep up to date with everything that's going on with when Diplomacy Fails, kind of the nitty-gritty aspects of it, then by all means keep listening, otherwise fast forward. Okay, so first of all, you may or may not be aware, When Diplomacy Fails is nearing 300 episodes, which apparently that is the cutoff point for both podcatchers and iTunes etc actually displaying them. This doesn't mean that they won't be able to be downloaded when you actually subscribe but it means that if you search for them they may or may not come up. Now it's a bit iffy because I, I like many other people have pointed out that certain podcasts out there like for example I don't know Coffee Break Spanish or or language podcasts like that with thousands of episodes like two or three minutes long or something like that they they get over the 300 episode rule but apparently it is a rule and there are only very few exceptions so you might be wondering, well, Zach, what's going to happen to all the episodes when you get to, like, and surpass the number 300? And that's a very good question. The kind of solution I landed on, and this is in development at the moment, I'll release more information on it later, is a kind of archive feed where I won't delete the episodes that are there in the podcast feed now, but I'm going to put, I think, I don't know, 200 episodes? A good few anyway. I'm going to put them in the so-called archive feed, so that when people find When Diplomacy Fails, they can also be directed to this archive feed and they can see all the things we've done in the past. It's kind of annoying. I'd rather not have to do this because it means I basically set up a new podcast and it's kind of awkward because I don't want to set up a new podcast. I just want When Diplomacy Fails to all be in one place. But hey, this is the 21st century. This is technology. And nine times out of ten, things that should be really simple just are simply not. So we're going to have to adapt as best as we can. But it's not the end of the world. You won't really notice any differences. But if you're wondering why there's a second When Diplomacy Fails feed with archives slapped across the logo, then this is why. It's not because I want to do it. It's because, unfortunately, there's a 300 cap and I gotta. Okay, and other things that we have to talk about. The Facebook page. When Diplomacy Fails does have a Facebook page, of course. I know that there's nearly 2,500 likes on it. And that is great, and you guys are great at engaging with it. But for whatever reason, Facebook has kind of, well, there's a very obvious reason. They want people to pay for ads. If any of you out there own a Facebook page or try to run a Facebook page, you'll know as well as I do that they really, really want you to pay for ads to the extent that you will get a notification from your Facebook page saying, would you like to boost this post that you just put out? Or, oh, Zach, this post is doing super well. Imagine how much better it would do if you spent money to get it even more out there. Which is very annoying, and I I started to think, is the Facebook page really worth it? Now, I don't want to stop doing the Facebook page, but I thought, what if instead of posting it out into the kind of Facebook universe, what if I just surrounded myself with people who actually cared 
And that's why I got the idea of doing a Facebook group. I'm going to put a kind of a, a, ironically, I'm going to put a Twitter poll out to see if I'm going to do a Facebook group. Because this way I can kind of gain a kind of idea of exactly who thinks it's a good idea, who thinks it's not. So expect that to come in the next few days. And we'll find out ways of helping people that like the page join the group as well. And if things go well, we could have 2,000 people in the group. You see, the problem with liking pages on Facebook is that you can like them and then just never see anything from them because your newsfeed gets clogged with all sorts of garbage. No offense. <laughs> it happens to me as well. But if you would like to help when diplomacy fails along and you think that you've liked the page, maybe just go and check. And if you have liked it, like a few things on it because that will tell Facebook that you do indeed care about when diplomacy fails, which I hope that you do. And then more of our stuff will appear. And you will, trust me, you will want to know our schedule going forward. And you'll want to know what we're up to. Because 2018 and even the month of January are fairly involved. And you may well get left behind if you're not in sync with everyone else. So yes, a Facebook group. Let me know what you think. And keep an eye on the Twitter poll. By the way, follow me on Twitter, at WDF Podcast. And you'll be able to give your two cents on that topic there. So I just mentioned January. And I just mentioned the release schedule. I have to clarify for the extra feed listeners, so in other words, patrons that are giving $5 a month, you guys, as per your perks, would normally get two extra episodes in the month of January. Unfortunately, and don't worry, bear with me here, I will make it up to you in a month. Unfortunately, January is so clogged full of content, and I myself am a tiny bit behind because the Korean War dragged on far farther than I expected. Unfortunately, there will be no extra episodes in January, but to make up for it, there will be four extra episodes rather than two extra episodes in February. So it makes up the difference. Just in case you thought I don't love you or you weren't getting your money's worth, that's what's going on. It's not because of those reasons. It's because of the other reasons, the arguably more impressive facts that the Korean War has mutated from a manageable monster into a ridiculous one. More on the Korean War and stuff later. But yes, you should know buttloads of content. I even wrote that down in my notes. Buttloads of content are coming out in January, in February, and well, those two months especially, for reasons, again, I will explain later on. But 2018 is a fairly chock-a-block year. And we're going to do our best to migrate through the different kind of scheduled programming as best as we can. What is the scheduled programming, Zach? Well, I'm so glad you asked, history friend. Well, that wasn't staged at all. Uh, Basically, the way I'm looking at it is I have really enjoyed doing the Korean War. And it has dragged on a lot longer than I expected. I've got so much interesting stuff within that. And make sure you look out for that on the 8th of January, which is a week from today. But I had intended to do a few different things this year. And eventually I just kind of let the Korean War take its course. I let it fill the amount of episodes it needed to fill on the expectation that it would finish by the 11th of November. Why is the 11th of November important? Well, you may or may not be aware of the fact that, and come on guys, you should be aware of the fact that on the 11th hour, the 11th month, 1918... The armistice was signed, a ceasefire was signed on the Western Front, which of course led to the Treaty of Versailles. It is no accident then that I wanted to be finished the Korean War by that date, because this year, in well, in late this year, November 2018, we'll be starting our Versailles Anniversary Project. 
And if you will remember when diplomacy fails as a penchant for continuity, you'll know that the July Crisis Anniversary Project started on the anniversary of the outbreak of the war and kind of finished along with it. I plan on doing the exact same thing with the Treaty of Versailles. So if you guys are interested in that and I'm really excited to do it, then make sure to spread the word. Because much like the July Crisis, people think they know how it went, people assume they know the story... But is there more to the story? I believe there is. For example, the Treaty of Versailles itself. It took a good six months to get signed. It took a good six months to actually be developed. And for the immensely pleasing for historians' OCD senses, it was signed on the 28th of June 1919, which, wouldn't you know it, is five years since the anniversary of the Archduke being shot. So that's very nice and tidy. And it means that by the time we finish it, we will follow it. I mean, it doesn't necessarily mean it'll be a day-by-day affair because it's six months rather than one month that the July Crisis Project was, but it'll certainly be weekly. We'll certainly be covering all the details and we'll be concluding on that date. All very exciting. All very good stuff. And you guys should be looking forward to that. But now that you know why it is I have to finish the Korean War on the 11th of November 2018... I can explain to you why I had a bit of an issue with the Korean War, and, well, that's not really a fair way to put it. I really enjoyed researching it, but typically for Zack, I underestimated exactly how much episodes I would need. 30 episodes, I thought. That will be grand. And if that sounds familiar, then that's exactly what I thought about the Polish miniseries, and that turned into Poland is not yet lost, which is going to be released as a full separate podcast, nearly 100 episodes, I believe, from May the 18th. That should kind of give you an indication of what happens when I think the 30 episodes will be grand. In this case, it took 48 episodes, and they are all written. I actually did, wouldn't, would you believe it, I finished the last one today. So, that's nice. It's kind of nice to get them all finished and all tidied up together. And I am, as I may have said before, very, very excited to present this to you. And if you think you're not interested in the Korean War, do give it a shot, because I wasn't interested in the Korean War until I started looking into it, and now I kind of can't get enough. Trust me, you're going to like it. If you like when Diplomacy Fells' approach to wars or conflicts in general, you will enjoy this. Even if you don't think that Korean history is your thing, don't worry. Trust me, Korean history is not my thing, Asian history is not my thing. Good grief, wait until you hear me try and pronounce the names of these poor unfortunate figures who just happen to be individuals in my story, and you'll you'll see, yeah, Korean history, Asian history, etc. is not my thing. But I feel as though it's a great story, and I feel as though you guys will really enjoy it, so do tune in for that. But I apologize, I may have been taking too many sips of my beer from the Czech Republic. The point I was trying to make is that instead of 30 episodes, which would handily fit into the time period from January to the 11th of November, it's 48. So that means that there's a little bit of a kind of spillage. It's kind of overcrowded. And I thought about the best way to compensate for this. And really, guys, the best way to compensate for this is to kind of go hell for leather at the start. So instead of releasing one episode a week, for the first four weeks of this project, I'll be releasing two episodes. Now, if you're an extra feed or access feed listener, I'll be releasing three episodes on the very first day of the Korean War series so that you guys are still a week ahead. Don't worry, it all makes sense. I calculated this in my immensely clever brain, so I can assure you that it all does make sense. 
Another thing you should be aware of, though, is that we're not just going to launch straight into the Korean War. You see, I keep on saying that it starts on the 8th of January, and it's true, it does start on the 8th of January, but you don't actually instantly get the Korean War. In fact, the first Korean War episode starts on the 15th of January the following week. What's going on in the meantime? Well, I've prepared this five-part series called the Cold War Crash Course, and it kind of just sets the scene in the post World War II era in only the way that when diplomacy fails and Zach Twomley can. I really like it. I think it gives you a great introduction to all the major themes and figures and everything else. And you guys should know, typically, Zach, because there's five episodes, yes, there'll be one for each weekday. So from the 8th of January, there'll be an episode every day. So the 8th, 9th, 10th, 11th, 12th will each have an episode. And of course, Typically me, I know, bear with me here, but typically me, the Korean War needs an introduction episode. It needs a prologue episode. I need to explain where I found these sources. So there is a prologue episode, an introduction episode, and an introduction episode for the source material I'll be using as well, and how I plan to structure it. So those three episodes will be released before the Cold War Crash Course, and then the Cold War Crash Course will be released, and then the following week, the Korean War will start. Does that all make sense? I do certainly hope so, because it makes sense to me. And even if you're confused, don't worry, because it is all under control. And have I ever steered you wrong before? Of course not. There is so much stuff to cover in the Korean War, which is why I saw fit to stuff it in to the months of January and February. But for these reasons as well, I don't think that the extra feed listeners will really miss those extra content episodes all that much. And now, I know that I've said extra content a few times. You might be wondering, what form will this extra content take? Zach, I pay you $5 a month. What will that get me from February? What extra kind of podcast episodes will I get? Are they going to be extra episodes on the Korean War? Well, no, I say they are not. You see, I had thought about doing extra episodes on the Korean War, maybe focusing on General MacArthur and President Truman's relationship But then I kind of thought, I hate it when people take main chunks of the story and put them behind a paywall. I didn't want to do that. And I wanted to give the extra feed listeners something completely different too. So if you pay $5 a month, you'll get a completely original series. And it's going to be 20 plus episodes in length. Maybe I shouldn't say a number because as we all know, we go above that 9 times out of 10. But hopefully it will be between 20 and 24 episodes in length, enough to give us two episodes a month and four episodes in February to make up for January. And the series itself is quite exciting. And it's going to be called 1956. Covers events that take place three years after the end of the Korean War. And 1956, if you weren't aware, is a very important year in the history of not just the Cold War or Europe, but also the world. There were some really incredible things going on. There was this thing called the secret speech in which the Soviet hierarchy, or Khrushchev in particular, basically denounced Stalin and everything that he had done. And this set in motion a lot of revolts against Soviet rule in Poland, but most notably Hungary, which takes up a good portion of the kind of examination. So there's lots of kind of interesting Eastern European examinations going on there. So there is that, there is the kind of Eastern European Soviet element, there is also the Suez Crisis, which if you didn't know is an incredibly fascinating conflict in history. It is a conflict, it basically involved Britain and France scheming together with Israel to attack Egypt, and everything went really, really well until America was like, stop doing that, look at what's going on in Eastern Europe, we need you guys all focused, 
And then Britain and France were like, mind your own business, America. And then America was like, no money for you guys. And then <laughs> Britain and France, I'm paraphrasing here, of course. Britain and France were like, oh, damn, we didn't realize everything had changed since we were empires in the past. That is a summary of kind of what's to come. But as you can tell, even from that very, uh, very academic survey of what's to come, there are some really interesting anecdotes and some really kind of like I've really deliberately avoided these eras of history in the past. I had been tempted to do, for example, I don't know, like the Suez Crisis in a spin-off series. And I had been tempted to look into the Cold War itself just as a kind of multi-part series as well. But this really, this this 1956 series, it helps me dip my toe into the whole thing. Right now I'm looking at some really interesting looking books. Everything from a book by a man named Barry Turner called Suez 1956 to a book called 1956 The World in Revolt by Simon Hall to Anne Applebaum's Iron Curtain The Crushing of Eastern Europe 1944 to 1956 it's a brand new project it's completely original and it's completely separate from the Korean War but it's a kind of sequel an unofficial sequel because I'll be beginning that series from the moment Stalin dies which is the 5th of March 1953 and once you get to the end of the Korean War, the death of Stalin is a pretty pivotal event in that, so the two series kind of mesh together fairly well. They'll be running parallel to one another from February. And yes, you guys will be very, very stuffed with content, but completely changing gears here, I do not want you to at all forget that we have a brand new podcast coming for you. Poland is not yet lost is launching on the 18th of May, 2018. Six years to the day that I guest-starred on Bannockburn for David Crowther's History of England. And he's never let me live it down since. I'm just kidding. He was very nice about it, and so were you guys. And in fact, some of you have been here since that day six years ago. And it still, still boggles the mind that you have been. It's incredible to think that you guys have been with me since day one. Really, who else has been with me since day one except for my parents? And they kind of have to be, because... You know, they're related to me and stuff and be kind of bad form if they just said, see you later, Zach. But anyway, <laughs> getting way off track here. This beer is good. No, I'm just kidding. It's actually kind of bitter. What else do we have to talk about, Zach? Stop going off topic. Oh, yes, of course. You may or may not be aware, When Diplomacy Fells is a member of the Agora Podcast Network. And yes, it's nice to be tuned in with all these other podcasts. Everything from History of Westeros, if you like your kind of lore and history of the Game of Thrones universe, to the aforementioned David Crowther's History of England, to my personal favourite, Tom Daly's American Biography History Podcast. There's a whole load of good stuff in there. But you see, the Agora Podcast Network was kind of designed, yes, to kind of help promote learning in the podcast sphere, but also to help smaller time podcasters like myself make a little bit more on the side by banding together with my fellow podcasting mates the strength in numbers, basically. And and through doing this, we can really reach a better audience, a larger audience with any kind of promotional deals we do. With that in mind, in the next few days, in fact, on the 3rd of January, I will be putting in the feed an advertisement for a new history podcast published by Wondery, so you know that there's some pretty big production values behind it. And I've listened to the sample, and funnily enough, it actually fits in really, really well with the Cold War and the Korean War and that kind of era. So make sure to check it out. It's going to be called American History Tellers. 
And yeah, it seems like a pretty big deal. When these when these big podcasts come along supported by big books and loads of academics and loads of kind of high quality audio and sound technicians and all that jazz, part of me thinks, wow, this is incredible. Another part of me thinks, yeah, well, you don't do what I do cause cause I'm cause I'm original and and I'm by myself and I'm just a guy with a microphone and stuff. But yeah, it's it's great to see big companies investing in history, just like you may remember before I put in a promo ad for Tides of History, and that was very well received, and that is a very good podcast as well. And if those kind of production values appeal to you, and if you like your podcasts with a large amount of polish, but also seriously good quality on the side, then make sure to check out American History Tellers, the teaser for which will be launching in the next few days. So with all that out of the way, we are almost ready to read out the new patrons. And I say new patrons, but you guys have been very patient because I really haven't been reading out any new patrons for a rather long while. I've been kind of toying with different ways of reading them out. I've been toying with different ways of putting them at the end of the episode, etc. The the reason why I've been kind of lazy or lackadaisical about it is because when you have to release two different episodes, so I have to release one ad-free episode and one not-ad-free episode... It's kind of annoying to stick the new patrons in every week. Hey, that's no excuse, Zach. I want my credit for the support I gave you. And that is fair enough, and I will try to work out a system in the future. But that is why I haven't been reading out any patrons really since, I think, the end of September, really? I'm not honestly sure. I'm going to read out a good bunch of them now, just to be sure I don't miss anyone. I know when I... I think I know when I stopped. Anyway, sorry for all this rambling, but... I, before we launch into patrons and telling you about who has supported us, I just really want to say a massive, massive thanks for all your guys' support for When Diplomacy Fails. To put it in context, guys, this time last year, at the start of 2017, I had a lot on my plate, I certainly did. I was, in fact, preparing, would you believe, for five weeks to run wild, even at this early stage. And no, I did not realise what a beast it would become, But I also was doing When Diplomacy Fails before the Patreon era, before I had money coming in regularly. As I write this now, I know that I've got over $1,000 coming in, like a month, just from the podcast. And that is, it is just indescribable to be able to say that I'm getting money for my hobby. And you guys have been so amazingly supportive, giving all this money to you. And I can't, I really can't tell you how genuinely appreciative I am and I really will never ever forget this support that I've gotten I want to do when diplomacy fails as long as humanely possible humanly humanely yep inhumanely it will be if I have to try and do it during the PhD that I hope to eventually do that's another story actually could I tell you about that now perhaps maybe I will tell you about that now it's not really very uh very fleshed out story but this is very off the cuff as you may be able to tell but yes the whole plan for the PhD currently is that I still would like to go to Cambridge and I've been talking to my supervisor and everything else and it's still very much a go. The reason why we changed our plans is because I found out eventually after asking the right questions the best chance I have to get a PhD in Cambridge is to do the so-called one plus two option or two plus one I can't remember what it's called where you do, instead of a three-year PhD, instead of just going to Cambridge out of nowhere and doing a three-year PhD, instead of doing that, you go to Cambridge, you do a one-year master's, and then that year of the master's is included as the first year of your PhD, and then you do two years of PhD. 
What this means is you will be getting two degrees out of three years, and if everything goes well, that is obviously really, really great. It also means that you kind of get friends from the Masters, so you won't be billing no mates like I was at UCD for a good while. But I didn't mind, because I'm rather insular, as anyone who knows me knows. But yes, the the perks of doing the Masters and then doing the PhD really are quite considerable, and... It was only when I kind of thought about it and the reason why it, I was held back before was because I was kind of like, oh, I have a master's. I wouldn't really need to do one again. But after having thought about it more, even if things go completely wrong and all I get is a master's from Cambridge, like that's still a pretty good thing. And it's still something I can put on my books on this podcast. Could you imagine if I started every podcast episode with Cambridge historian? Because technically that would be true. If I had a history degree from Cambridge, am I not a historian? I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe that's looking into it too much. But the reason why I tell you this is because we are already planning the schedule when diplomacy fails to be running in the background while I am doing the PhD. Some people say that that is impossible, but I disagree. I will tell you guys more information in the future as we go. But currently it looks as though I'd be starting the PhD or starting the Masters to lead into the PhD. Everything going well from September 2019. And I'll be applying for that at the end of 2018. So yeah, any any support or advice? If anyone out there has been to Cambridge, it never occurred to me to ask this before. Even if you haven't been to do history, do let me know. And if you have been to a high-level college of the sort, any Ivy League listeners out there... Even guys or girls who haven't been to Ivy League but have done PhDs. I know some of you, one guy messaged me with a PhD in music before. I'm sorry, I can't remember your name. But yeah, he was he was very nice. But I was like, oh dear, a PhD in music. I hope you don't mind Gregorian chant. But they did not. They liked Gregorian chant. And that was nice. But yes, so the Cambridge plans all being well. I should be there starting my master's to lead into the PhD from September 2019. You might think that's a bit of a scenic route and you'd be right. But as far as getting funding and everything else goes, it does make sense to do the master's first, build up a bit of a rapport with the Cambridge academics, etc., and build up a bit of a name for myself as well. And then it's also the case that doing a master's is far easier than doing a PhD. So hopefully it'll be easier to ease myself into it after so many years of not being in academia. That's the plan anyway, but you know what they say, the best laid plans fall to pieces when you get punched in the mouth. As far as I know, no one's punching me in the mouth, but we are going to punch ahead, how smooth was that? We are going to punch ahead with announcing the latest patrons. Yes, indeed, it's about time you guys had your time to shine, and thank you so much for your patience and, of course, your support, because it is because of you guys that I'm able to do this part-time. And if you would like to support When Diplomacy Fails, all you have to do is go to wdfpodcast.com, click on the Patreon banner, or go to patreon.com forward slash when diplomacy fails. It's super, super easy. And with series such as the Korean War, Poland is not yet lost, 1956, Versailles, and even Bismarck in the future. I'm not going to count my chickens just yet, but that should be starting early 2019, unless, of course, 1956 drags on forever. Hopefully it will not, but as you guys know, I am not exactly wonderful at keeping the story small. But big stories can be good as well, so I'm sure you'll forgive me. Anyway, stop at the rambling, Zach. Let's read out the patrons. 
Okay, so a small disclaimer is that I can't exactly remember when I stopped announcing the patrons. But I do know one guy's name because he contacted me to let me know that it was really cool to hear his name read out. So we're going to start from you, Mr. Luke Russell. How's it going? You became our diplomat on the 2nd of September 2017. And we're going to go from there. So yes, we've got a good few to get through. And after we do this, we're basically going to say goodbye. So if you're not really interested in hearing all these names... Or if you're kind of waiting for your own name, then that's fair enough. But thanks very much for listening to the latest State of the Podcast address. And I hope to see you guys in a week's time. Where we have so, so much Korean War to fit into your life, we have to start a new archive feed just so we can fit all the history friends in. Anyway, so after the 2nd of September, Luke Russell, diplomat, we have Richard Riley, diplomat, Jonas Brandes, diplomat, Tom Rowe, Diplomat, Wendy Kasker, Permanent Undersecretary, thanks for that Wendy, that's pretty cool, Sam Oppenheim, Student of Diplomacy, John Adkin, Diplomat, Darwin Seto, Diplomat, Evan Cannon, Diplomat, Marcus Benjamin, Diplomat, James David Jeffries, Diplomat, Melissa Weeb, Diplomat, thanks for your support Melissa, I know you're fairly active on Twitter and I really appreciate all your retweets etc and getting the word for when diplomacy fails out there. Daniel Frings, diplomat. David Abasta, diplomat. James White, diplomat. Godfrey Roberts, embassy intern. Bob Krauss, diplomat. Oren Sussman, diplomat. Bjorn, forgive me for this Bjorn, I'm going to butcher your surname. Bjorn Apelkvist. Bjorn Bjorn Apelkvist, let's go with that, okay. Bjorn, now let's pretend that we, we... knew how to pronounce it. <clears throat> Bjorn Apelkvist, diplomat. Sorry, Bjorn. Jack Raymond, embassy intern. Sidekick 65, diplomat. I'm sure that's his real name. Christoph Gobel, diplomat. Christina Moore Gotcher, diplomat. Sean McGuffin, diplomat. And you're lucky I didn't say Sean McMuffin because that's what I keep reading it as. Rod Sieg, ambassador. That's cool. Thanks for that, Rod. Kyle Walters, diplomat. Benjamin Chen, diplomat. Eric Stark, Bismarck, uh, wait a minute, Bismarck, Bismarck, yes indeed, incredibly enough, we have filled our fifth Bismarck role, huge, huge shout out to Eric Stark for paying the exorbitant fee that I do indeed charge for the pleasure for one calling oneself Bismarck, and Eric, please do get in contact with me because I have messaged you saying something to the effect of, oh, (laughs) and you haven't gotten back to me, so... I hope that you are a real person. I assume that you are. And I just wanted to let you know that I really, really do appreciate your support. Anyway, let's keep going with this. Thanks a huge deal to Eric Stark for filling our fifth and final Bismarck role. Who would have thought that five people would be willing to pay me $50 a month? Apparently, you can find five people. And those five individual people are super Super appreciated, just like the rest of you guys are. So after Eric Stark, we have someone a bit interesting here. We have a guy called Sean, not that Sean, who runs the American History Podcast, a relatively new history podcast, which looks at, would you believe it, American history. Sean is a fan of the show and he decided to become a patron. 
And not only that, he's a patron at the diplomat level, so thanks a huge amount for that. Sean, and everyone who's listening right now, make sure to check out the American History Podcast. And because Sean is just so nice and wonderful, I decided to leave a link for the American History Podcast in the show notes of this show. So make sure to check that out, and thanks again, Sean. Jeremy Curthois, diplomat. Hope I'm pronouncing that right. I feel kind of badass when I say it. Anyway, Alan Telford, embassy intern. Mark Leiderman, embassy intern. Craig Boyle, embassy intern. Brian Frankian, foreign secretary. Thanks for that support, Brian. That is a really, really appreciated level of support, especially since my dad stopped giving the $20 a month that he signed up to when we started out, basically because I told him to stop, but... Almost as soon as he cancelled his pledge, you signed on, Brian Frankian, and that is really, really appreciated, so thank you so much for that. Then we have Anthony Klon, diplomat, Colin Goodwin, diplomat, and Mark Bogey, diplomat. Mark, if that is not how you pronounce your surname, I really apologise, but as someone whose surname gets mispronounced all the time, do forgive me, and I will forgive you if you ever pronounce Twomley incorrect. Sound like a good deal? Great! That is the last patron, guys. Mark signed up on the 30th of December 2017, so he just about made the cut. If you happen to sign up on the 31st of December at, like, 5 to 12 or something like that, then I apologize, I have missed you here. But don't worry, I will read out the names on a more organized basis going forward in the future. Also, I did forget to announce this earlier on in the episode but I am going to get my act together with the deliveries for patrons. I know I've been a bit slow, but Christmas and all that, and I got a new desktop and everything else. So yes, things are going to be moving forward a bit more organized-like in the future. So look forward to that, and I look forward to seeing you guys soon when we tackle the Korean War. Happy New Year, and I'll see you in a week. Thanks for listening, history friends and patrons all. My name is Zach, and I'll be seeing you all soon. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.